Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message by our guest pastor and friend will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. And again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Serving has been very meaningful to me because um, I get to do what I like. Um, I've always liked teaching. And so um, write, write down my, my uh, talents or gifts or whatever you want to call it. Wow. Serving for me has been kind of a growing experience. Um, so I found that like working with kids, I really enjoy it. I find that you know being with the kids in Sunday school is like the perfect amount of children time. Um, I love their personalities and the random topics and questions that come up and it's it's a fun time it, it suited me well it's actually been meaningful in the fact that i have become more involved in church and i've gotten to know a lot more people at church my family's become more involved in church and also we've become closer to god through the through the volunteering and meeting the needs of the church Good morning, I am Greg Brower. I am not a pastor here at Rosewood, um, but I do attend and my wife and I and our kids when they can come sit in like the fifth row on that side. When we're here, I occasionally steal someone else's row. You don't have assigned seats here, but we are creatures of habit and I can't count well. So sometimes we sit in the wrong spot. Some of you have done the same thing I've noticed as well. Um, we're not here often because I, and. I serve as the executive for the local network of churches at Rosewood as a part of Great Lakes City Classes, and so I'm often preaching other places. So uh, I want to give you greetings from a few places I've been recently, from Grace Ann Arbor, one church meeting in four locations, soon to be four locations in Ann Arbor, and Narden Park Reformed Church, this small African-American church right in the heart of Detroit, in one of the roughest neighborhoods of Detroit, being a faithful witness for 70 years now in that community. And so it's good to be worshiping with you. It was good to worship with them as well in the past few weeks. I was bummed last week we couldn't be here, though, because I love this sermon series. It One, I like hearing Austin preach anytime. When I left our last church and moved into this role a year ago, we had to find a new church. And Rosewood was at the top of my list because I've known Howard Motes for like 17 years and there's almost no pastor I respect more than Howard. And then I heard Austin preach and I was sold because he has insights I never had. I'm like, I'm learning so much from Austin. This is great. So I'm lowering your bar right now for what to expect, <laughs> just to be clear. I was also bummed because my wife for 10 years before um, I stepped into this role was the children's director at our old church. And I don't know if you know this, but you all probably think that your staff's primary job is to like do things. And what your staff knows is their primary work is recruiting people to do things. 
you may not have known that because it's just there's so much to do to make Sunday mornings happen and all of the other things that happen in church. Most staff spend most of their time recruiting and training people to do stuff. It's a lot of work. So anytime we can set aside time to think about as a church, what's my part in what God is doing here is time well spent. And so I hope that it will be this morning as well. Um, I think part of the challenge for us when we think about our role in church is we live in a hyper-individualized culture that tells us we should always be thinking about ourselves and what we need and what we want in every situation. And that's simply not how church works, is it? And it's not how Jesus called us to live. Jesus calls us to a counterculture that says, I'm not on my own. I'm part of a community. I belong to other people. Like, I have obligations to them. And that's what gives meaning and fulfillment in our lives is those mutual obligations to each other. And our culture says, cast those off. And Jesus says, let's take more on. And let's learn to live in community more deeply with one another. And so today, as we think about that, we're going to look at Ephesians 4. But before we do that, we're going to pray because God's got to show up if we're going to learn anything today. So let's pray for God's blessing on the reading of his word. Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word this morning, we ask that you would speak. For we know that no one has come today to hear me. They have come to hear from you, our holy and living God. Father, would you speak for we, your children, are ready to listen. Amen. Our scripture this morning does come from Ephesians 4. Um, we'll jump around just a little bit, but beginning at verse 1. Paul writes, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. If we can keep going, it'll help me out as I'm reading. Thank you. Now we went too far. I'm going to stick to what I got, and I'll let you follow along in the back. This is just an observation for volunteers, just a minute. If you're in the sound booth, you are my hero, because no one notices you did everything right. They only notice if one thing goes wrong, and then they think you messed up, and it was probably my fault somehow. So thank you to the sound booth people. Be be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then we skip ahead to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by the wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to our God. Paul's message for us today is really clear at the very beginning. We should live a life worthy of our calling. 
We should be humble and gentle. We should be patient. We should bear with one another. These are the habits that keep the body of Christ united with one another. That's how you build genuine community. Not uniformity, but a unity of relationship and mission as we're gentle and patient and we put up with each other. That's why Paul talks so much, this desire for unity in the church is why he talks about there's one Lord and one faith and one baptism because we're one in Christ. And the night before he died in John 17, what does Jesus pray for for the church? The last thing he's thinking about before he dies is that we will be united with one another, that we will be one. We've done a great job of that so far in the last 2,000 years, haven't we? Yeah, we've done really good at that. We've been one not so well. It's hard to keep that unity, isn't it? Over the past few years, social scientists have, have described and noticed a great sorting happening in American churches in our attendance. More and more people pick their church based on their political party and whether their church aligns with it, not based on the actual theology and belief of the church about Jesus. And if the church teaches something that doesn't align with their politics, they go find a church that will align with their politics. More and more in America, our politics shapes our theology. Our theology doesn't shape how we vote. And we're willing to divide and split from people over different political decisions that we might make. And yet Jesus says, may they be one. And we can't even sit in the same pew with a Republican or a Democrat, depending on who you are. I'm not picking sides. And we struggle with that. In our own denomination, we're experiencing a fracturing, a fracturing in the last two years. Tensions we long held with one another, we could live with the differences around the role of women in the church, how we ought to respond to racial issues in our country, um, human sexuality issues. We could live with those tensions for 40 plus years. And now suddenly a quarter of our churches have left in two years because they couldn't handle people not agreeing with them on everything. We're not really good at disagreeing with each other anymore and staying in relationship. Even the CRC is probably heading in a similar direction after their synod this summer. We're not good at being one. And it doesn't, that doesn't even touch on all the other issues that churches can get upset with one another about. There's when you remodel and you have to pick the carpet. It's tough, isn't it? If they pick the wrong carpet, how can you worship God with that color carpet? My cousin grew up in a church with orange carpet. Trust me, you can worship with any color carpet. They had to match their, their wedding colors to the orange carpet because it was so bright. You can make anything work if you want to. But we can argue over that, over where the youth group should go on their mission trip. Or what curriculum we should be using for this or that. Or which ministry got highlighted on a Sunday morning. Why didn't my ministry get picked, right? It's so easy to get personally slighted and offended and break relationship over small things in church. And what Jesus says is we're supposed to be one. What Paul says is we have one Lord and one faith. We should be one body. And so Paul urges us to live a life worthy of our call, to be humble and gentle and patient, to bear with each other, which is just really a fancy way of saying, put up with the person who annoys the bejeebers out of you. But God knew it would be hard. So he gave us all spiritual gifts, abilities and personalities and experiences that the church would need to live out its mission faithfully as one body together. And we're not going to go into all those spiritual gifts because Paul doesn't do that in our text today. But I do want to highlight just before we jump back to the text, every gift is needed in the church. 
because a body, as Paul says elsewhere, doesn't function well if it's missing part of itself. Every gift is important. Some of you are gifted in teaching. Some of you are great administrators. Some of you are gifted in design and decorating. I've had a new office for a year and there are no pictures in it because I do not have that gift. Others of you do. Some of you are gifted in, in serving or in graphic design or art. Some of you can interpret into sign language while someone else goes off script with no warning. It is a miracle to me that anyone can do that. We all appreciate your gifts today, Kathleen. <laughs> I'm very appreciative. But I, then to get back to the text, because we all are needed, all of you have gifts to give. I want to emphasize what Paul emphasizes today. Because living in unity takes work, because overcoming our differences, it's naturally hard for us, because forgiving people when they offend us it's painful sometimes, and even more painful is realizing we were the one who offended and having to go apologize, because all of that work that's required to be unified with one another is difficult. Christ gave us apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to the church, because they have a special role to play for us in the church. I want you to notice the, the purpose of these particular people. It is to equip the rest of us for service. It is not their job to do all the work, though they should work, and they do. They are primarily the coaches for the church. I was thinking about this on Friday night because my family went to the Jenison High School football game. We go to every high school football game. Not because anyone understands football except maybe two of us. I like football, but we know marching band really well. And so we have to go watch the marching band for those who don't like football. But we went to the game, and I'll tell you, the weirdest thing happened this week. The team ran out on the field like they always do. The band played, they ran through the banner, and then they kept running past the bench, and they went in the stands. Some of them went up to concessions, and they got hot dogs and pizza. And then they sat back down in the stands, and they started cheering on their coaches to go take the field and play Forest Hills Central. And they kept cheering really loud. They were great cheerleaders, but they didn't take the field. They just sat in the stands. Now, obviously, that did not happen. It would have made the news. I have learned when I make up stupid stories, I have to clarify they did not happen because of one time when I told someone, an associate pastor of church had hit my car with a baseball bat because I dinged his door that morning. And someone thought he did it, and so I have to always clarify now. Didn't happen. I thought it was over the top. Sometimes people don't catch it. So did not actually happen. But I want to suggest to you today that that's often what happens in church. We come to church and we wait for people to serve us. We wait for the greeters at the door to welcome us. We wait for the band to lead us in worship. We wait for the deacons to pass a plate. We wait for some to entertain us in a message for a little while and maybe give us some nuggets for the week ahead. We can even pick a church based on whether it meets our needs. I had a friend years ago who, when they were looking for a new church, they had a checklist of the things that they wanted. And they'd visit churches and they filled out the chart for which ones met which criteria. We can literally shop for a church sometimes. 
we can sing our songs and we can bow our heads and put some money in the offering plate and send our kids to the programming because, man, we've done our part, right? We paid for our ticket. We're getting our religious services from the church. We cheer on the pastor and the other staff and we think that we've done our part to be in the church. But we've only done our part if we think we're the fans. And as an observation, Jesus never called anyone to come and watch other people follow him. He never called anyone to come and watch other people follow him. I want to reframe how we often think about church, and I apologize, Kathleen, I'm just ad-libbing at this point. Church is not where we go simply to worship God. It is the gym you go to to develop the character and the relational skills you need so you can live like Jesus out there. That's why you come here. That's the only reason you should be coming here, so that you can be equipped to follow Jesus better out there. Because you cannot be the salt of the earth if you're only ever here. Then the salt doesn't do any good. You have to be out there. This is where you go to be equipped to be the church the rest of your life. And part of how we learn to be people who serve others and set aside our personal preferences and put other people's needs on the same level as our own is we come to church and we practice doing that every single week, which is why Lindsay has us sing songs that sometimes I don't know. Maybe you have that too. Some of them, I just love singing. Some of them, Lindsay, I love how you lead worship because every week as we sing a song, I'm slightly frustrated because I don't like that song. <laughs> right? Because some of you are singing that song going, this one speaks to my heart, right? And every week I'm like, I don't really like that song, but I know someone else likes it. Good job, Lindsay, right? Because it's not about me. It's about all of us together. Do you want to know who the fans are in the analogy? 